released by the CDC today on COVID mask guidelines, freeing most Americans from having to wear masks indoors, including at schools, as COVID cases drop. Miguel Almaguer explains. As our country faces a new stage of the pandemic, the CDC's revived guidance means a breath of fresh air for Americans nationwide. Citing moving metrics, a drop in COVID hospitalizations and cases, the agency is no longer recommending face masks indoors or inside many schools, whether you're vaccinated or not, impacting 70% of the population. We want to give people a break from things like mask wearing when our levels are low and then have the ability to reach for them again should things get worse in the future. Basing its previous guidelines on transmission risk, 95% of the country, shown here in red, needed to mask indoors. But now they're only suggested in regions where cases and hospitalizations are high, seen in orange. But despite the new guidance, states like New York and California still require masks in the classroom for now. The same true for transportation. The TSA saying the mask requirement remains in place and we will continue to assess the duration of the requirement in consultation with the CDC. We're entering a new phase of the pandemic where we are now, I think, away from this kind of emergency phase. We really need to enter a period of time where we learn how to live with this virus. Seven months after recommending masks again during the Delta surge, tonight a clear sign of change seen on the faces of Americans. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. Also tonight, as we observe Black History Month, a developing trend across the country. Black families moving away from big cities in numbers so large it's being called the new Great Migration. Ron Allen takes a closer look at one city determined to get black families to stay. Topeka Young has wonderful memories of life in Detroit. Its vibrant black communities, the music of Motown, the Motor City, the D. You were a lifelong Detroiter. I represented Detroit. We wear Detroit wherever we go. But Young just left the city. Her new suburban neighborhood, much different from the street where she used to live. Just to look at the vacant houses, the overgrown yards. People don't have pride like they used to. You really wanted to get out of Detroit badly. I did. Within a two-week span, there were two shootouts on our block. Young now lives in East Point, where so many black families have moved. They're now the majority of the population a city that just elected its first African-American mayor. Young's adult son moved even further to Savannah, Georgia, for a better job opportunity. They're part of what's been called the new or reverse Great Migration, steep population declines continuing in nine of the ten U.S. cities with the most black residents, hundreds of thousands of residents since 2000, moving for better jobs, schools, and quality of life. In Detroit, some signs of progress the black population continuing to decline. Pamela Martin-Turner is trying to revive Detroit's North End. When you look around here, what do you see? I see a community of people living here and enjoying the neighborhood. I see homes. A lot of people see vacant lots. It's a historic neighborhood where decades ago, black Detroiters who arrived during the first Great Migration bought homes and owned them for generations. There's opportunity here. It's a wonderful city that has all the art and the culture and music galore. She hopes to break ground this year. A Detroiter who left and came back, trying to help build a place where its residents want to stay. Ron Allen, NBC News, Detroit.
And up next, I'll have some reflections on war and what we've seen in this monumental week. There, there now is this thick-skinned 500-pound black bear nicknamed Hank the Tank. Bob involved in a series of house break-ins in the Lake Tahoe area, known to be a natural bear habitat. With windows smashed, fences broken, and more than 150 incident reports of bear break-ins in the area, officials were eager to stop this overbearing forager. They're supposed to be hibernating, but they've been so used to people and being fed year-round, they don't, they don't really do the bear stuff. Initially, law enforcement warned the bear, also known as Yogi, Chunky, and Big Guy, had seemingly lost its fear of humans and threatened to euthanize the rotund mammal. Police officers use everything from uh, sirens to loud noises to shouting at them to beanbags. He's still here. They've figured out how to operate car doors to get into after food that's in cars. Um, a couple of them figured out how to work French doors to get into the house. One mama bear even was seen teaching her cubs how to get into that French door. The Bear League said it was vehemently opposed to euthanization. We believe he's one of our neighbors, and he's only doing what he's been taught to do. The bears will usually die trying to get back home, um, or they'll starve to death because they, they don't know where to find food. Now, officials have put the effort on pause. New DNA evidence collected at a recent break-in scene linked a bare minimum of not one, not two, but three bears to these uncanny incidents. New DNA evidence reveals that as many as three bears, two female bears and one male bear, may be responsible for the property damage and home break-ins in the Tahoe Keys neighborhood over the past several months. On Thursday, the California Department of Fish and Wildlife said it will begin trapping the bear brigade to tag the animals and collect evidence for genetic analysis. Then they'll be released to a, quote, suitable habitat, thus exonerating the boisterous bear. Officials hope these incidents will change how the public interacts with local wildlife. It's a new lease on life, if you will, for um large male black bear. Officials say residents in bear-prone areas should avoid leaving food outside, keep garbage cans secure, and only put waste out on trash day. As for the Bear League, they say, long live Hank the Tank. Sinclair Essamois, NBC News. Thanks for watching our YouTube channel. Follow today's top stories and breaking news by downloading the N
we just had a federal conviction and we already had the state conviction. But times, you know, will be probably a lot harder for me still because I can't get my brother back. And at, and at the same time, I hope that Congress, the Senate, whichever, whoever it is, they're looking at what's going on because if people are being transparent and they're also speaking out and that the jury said guilty, 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 then up there in Congress, they ought to go ahead and say, let's pass this George Floyd Justice Policing Act to be able to help people of color be able to understand that they can move around and understand that they won't be murdered on site. Uh, we need to end the qualified immunity. We need to end the no-knock warrants. We need to make sure there's no more chokeholds and make sure all these police officers have their federal, have their gear on, uh, dash gear, body gear, all of it. Uh, also, we need to start a registry for these officers to make sure that they can't leave from Minneapolis to get to Wisconsin and get a job there after you do something bad. So this is unfortunately a bad time, but it's also a good time. Like I said earlier, uh, you come to some places and they might be wrong, but you're there for the right reasons. You know what I mean? So I just thank everybody who helped us out with this case. And I don't know how to act right now because I'm getting emotional. Uh, I got a lot of stuff going through my head. This, this, has, this has been a journey. And this has been over two years of the same stuff back and forth, back and forth. But I just thank everybody for coming out. Um, I'm, again, I want to thank these lawyers so much because, you know, without them, we wouldn't even be able to stand at this podium right now just to be able to speak about what happened. So uh, Benjamin Crump, I'd like to give him some credit. Um, I'd like to give Keith Ellison some credit. Uh, just so many people who had their hands in this case, and they just made it better for for people. And I'm starting to feel like I can breathe again, but I just need you all to tell Congress to please read this. Don't let this tragedy hit your front door before you make a decision. Pass the law. Pass the George Floyd Police Act. Thank you all. I'm Brandon Williams, the nephew of George Floyd. I'd like to start by saying God is good. And I want to send a huge thank you to everybody who's standing back here. You know, throughout the trial, they constantly checked on us and um, made sure that we were okay. And a special thanks to Miss Selena. Miss Selena. You know, you were great. And we appreciate everything. She made it um, a lot easier for us to be here because, you know, we've been here so many times since May 25th of 2020. And these visits aren't happy. And, you know, she did everything. And she was so great to comfort us and, and make this a lot easier because it's hard. You know, it's a lot of sleepless nights. It's a lot of sad nights, holidays, birthdays, and you just wish George was here because, you know, he was so family-oriented, and we miss him a lot. And, you know, it's even worse because he was murdered. He didn't die of natural causes, and he should still be here. You know, this day is historic because just not too long ago, you know, um, the murders of Lamar Arbery, you know, were sentenced. Uh, um, found guilty in federal hate crimes as well. You know, that's like two in the same week or maybe the same month. I don't know the exact date. 
And, you know, that's the story for this country because oftentimes, you know, officers kill black and brown men and women, and we get little to no consequences. A lot of times we don't even get charges, let alone a conviction. You know, so we'll take this small victory, you know, and smile about it and be happy, but deep down we're still hurting. You know, we want this to stop. You know, this means so much to us because we've connected with so many families, you know, that's in similar situations and receiving yeah. no justice. And, you know, I'm, I'm shaking because my first trip here, the first press conference I did, I said that we're only coming here to get some justice and accountability. You know, and today was another step towards that. And, and you know, it feels good. You know, we were very optimistic today and when they said that the verdict um, that the jury was, were deliberating because we saw what happened in the Kim Potter sentencing. You know, there's no way that an unarmed black man supposedly accidentally killed and a cop is only sentenced to 18 months. You know, I, I found that very disrespectful and hurtful because, you know, I've connected with Dante Wright's family and I, I just felt for him so bad because I know what Dante meant to Miss uh, uh, Katie and Mr. Aubrey. So we were very optimistic and nervous depending on the outcome of this verdict. So hopefully this is a step in the right direction for people that's in power to do the right thing, you know, to change laws and policies, you know, that's going to protect people from these situations. You know, and more than anything, that's going to hold them accountable and sends a message that says if you murder or use excessive or deadly force, yeah. it's consequences that follow. Yeah. I think when you make a statement by convicting these officers, you know, they start to feel like, hey, maybe I shouldn't do it. I can't get away with it. Because in the past, they've gotten away with it so much. So all in all, I'd just like to say thank you to everybody that played a role in this. You know, Thank you to family, friends, the people that don't know us, the media, everybody that got out and protested, that just sent prayers. You know, We really appreciate it because when these cameras go away, our pain don't. So thank you all. Yeah. And uh, also, if they can make federal laws to protect the bird, then they can make federal laws to protect people of color. Thank you.